Hello, and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from the Executive Appeal. And today, you guessed it. Today, today is a good day. See, today, I can't. It's one of those special days when we have not only one phenomenal guest, we got two. We got two phenomenal guests. And what, what, what does the Twix say, the Twix company? I don't know what they say, but definitely two is better than one. So that's what we're going to go with today. Um, today, we have our great friend of the show, Shane Cantfield, who is the CEO of WEPA. Um, and today we also are joined by a phenomenal individual and a mentor of mine, uh, Gail Adams, who serves as the Vice President for Communications and External Affairs at Inner Geo Alliance. I, I have been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Um, and it's because of the, the take that both of you, both of you leaders are going to have on this topic. The reality is, is that we are entering what some would say is a recession. Um, and as these numbers of layoffs are coming out um, in the tech sector, as the number of individuals who are now, um, research is showing people were focused on um, uh, professional development in the last few few months, like that being the really, the, the great thing to keep employees. Now it's starting to focus to, am I gonna have a job? Like just, just security. And so my question for both of you, and I wanna start off with you, Shane, if you don't mind, is in this now, era that we're moving into where most people are just like kind of focused on security. How do you, how will you plan to motivate people? Or we, we are you just going to just say, Hey, look, you got a job, you know, let's just, you know, be motivated or, or, or is there still a need to go over and beyond to, to really be that, in, that employer of choice? I, I think it, um, for us, Alex, it's, um, maybe a little bit different. We have a very, um, stable, um, workforce where um, our finances are good. Uh, we have never had to let go people, lay off people. So our work environment is um, is very stable. Uh, a little bit like the government is a pretty stable work workplace. So uh, as a nonprofit, many nonprofits do struggle a bit uh, during down times. Uh, our funding, we don't get grants or donations or dues, all of our funding comes through um, members and it is a nonprofit association. It's an employee association. So federal employees join and then principally purchase the life insurance product. Um, so our employee approach doesn't really change, except that I can say we're not going to have layoffs. I, I do say that we are continuing all of the same programs regardless of what's happening with the broader uh, economic environment, that would be, um, and we have a robust education uh, program. We have, to the extent we can, we have additional training, attending conferences, uh, providing opportunities for people to get engaged beyond their job description, if you will. And so that could look like, um, that could take many different forms. Uh, I'll just give you one example. So um, during 2020, we um, 
as an employee benefits trust. So we're an association of federal employees and then we're a benefits trust, meaning we've got a big life insurance program that's separate and uh, experience rated and all of that just for the people in it. Most organizations like this do not do any um, uh, public facing social um, issues. It's just not in the nature of that kind of organization. Doesn't mean that people aren't interested, but they don't do it. So, but in 2020 spurred us to do something a little different. And I went to the board and I said, we, we would like to partner with an appropriate organization and do something around um, social justice. And so we ended up um, supporting a very proud sponsor of uh, an organization called Blacks in Government. And they have something called the FLAG program. It's F-L-A-G. It stands for Future Leaders in American Government. And we went in uh, all in, and um, both with financial contribution, but also boots on the ground. What can we do to help this organization? And so we're going, we spun up a, a working group of half a dozen employees where we, we talked about it. We made sure this is the right kind of thing that we're going to, that we wanted. This is the right organization to partner with. We looked at a bunch of other or, um, organizations, selected this one, and um, that, we, we, that um, spun down um, last year. But now we want to continue with some movement, uh, doing something around social justice, and we're spinning that up again. So what I'm getting at, Alex, and then, then I'll stop. Um, there are lots of ways to motivate people, to give them experiences other than what's on their job description. That can be inside the organization, cross-training, exposure to other departments. It can be external. Uh, and then, of course, we have things like... Um, lots of training. We have a robust DEI and B program that uh, employees participate in, but but we also do some things with um, local organizations. Uh, we, we do a, a program with um, the DC Food Bank and we sponsor the organization, but we also go in with employees and we help prepare food and things like that. So I don't think it's any one thing. What I, what I am happy and proud of is that even in recession down economic times, we're not going to have any layoffs and we're still providing all those opportunities. You hit on a number of things I'm going to, I'm going to throw at Gail, but I want to give her the opportunity first to, to, to any reactions. Yeah, well, so, well, certainly I am in a, a, a totally different um, spectrum <laughs> or end of the spectrum. Of course, I'm in the energy industry and um, although our organization is a member-based organization, all of the geoscience companies um, that help to locate energy resources and all of the energy companies um, that deliver energy. So, of course, it's no secret that our, our industry is very much sensitive to, um, you know, inflation, reception, recessions and things of that nature. But what I will say has been really interesting for the energy industry um, over these last few years, even though a lot of companies, you might have remembered when oil went to a negative and a lot of the uh, energy companies did let go a number of employees and we kind of had a mass exodus of those employees who were eligible to retire. Um, as the energy sector, we are in a position where we are needing more people than ever to come into the industry, particularly as 
um, the notion of what energy is continues to expand. So a lot of people talk about it in terms of the energy transition. We prefer to talk about it in terms of the energy evolution or the energy expansion, um, because we're not talking just about um, those mainstay sources of energy like petroleum and natural gas. But now we're talking about adding carbon capture, utilization and storage. We're talking about hydrogen. We're talking about geothermal, offshore and onshore wind and, you know, solar and all these other um, forms of energy. And so um, this is really a critical time um, for our industry to be able to bring new faces and new blood into the in energy industry because um, we're about to have 8 billion people on the planet really, really soon. <laughs> and um, we have a lot of nations that are, you know, evolving and they are um, advancing. And so their need for energy is going up even as, you know, we, we really work toward bringing emissions down. But the fact of the matter is that more people are in need of energy in the world than ever before. Um, and so for us, what this has been a great opportunity for our industry to really be able to encourage our employees and say, hey, you are so critically important. And we are finding out how critical energy is right across the world. It's not just a, a U.S. Um, um, issue, but affordability and accessibility are world issues for energy. And so our um, our workforce, I believe, is better appreciating the fact that they are um, esteemed and they are valued. Now, we're not always the favorite people in the world. I'll say that, right? <laughs> say energy. A lot of people do associate that with just um, petroleum and natural gas without understanding that most companies in the world now are energy companies. So everything from bio to hydro to, you know, petroleum and natural gas and offshore, on, on, onshore wind. So, um, and because, you know, I think it's done a lot for our industry because energy is often the topic of a lot of stories and, you know, just uh, it's on the minds of a lot of people, particularly as we come into the winter. Um, and so I think it's um, for us motivating our employees um, has has been a lot easier because people are wanting to understand more where their energy comes from, what it takes, how long it takes, and then better appreciating what we do in the world to make us healthy and safe and, and keep us with the energy that we need. So I, I, I prefer to look at the, um, the silver lining in, in, in the cloud sometimes, you know, there is a silver lining. And um, so what we are hoping um, throughout all of this time, whether it's a recession or inflation, you know, all these things that happen is that people um, within our industry understand just how critical they are and just how they are, how important they are into the betterment of society at whole, no matter where they are in the world. So this is what this is what happens when you have great people on the, on the show, because I all these different questions. So Shane, Shane brought up a point that I want to sit on the table, but then I, I want to maybe come back to it. I want to follow up on what Gail was talking about. So Shane, you made it the point where I was going to go with this, which was as an organization, how do you, because both of you are in situations where your organizations and your industries are not kind of pulling back due to a recession, but for those organizations that have to, how do you juggle the, we're going to consistently support 
fund these diversity efforts, these social justice efforts, those things? How, how do you justify doing those when someone could say, hey, let, let's, you know what? Yeah, diversity is important, but how about we just let's, let's zero out that budget and then we can keep a few more of our employees? Like, how do you balance that? And so actually, I'm going to go with that question first. <laughs> let's do that one. Then I'll answer, ask the question from Gail. So Gail, can you take on that one first and I'll bounce over to Shane? Certainly. So I definitely, it is um, a balance. I, I think that smart companies, smart industries will see that it's a balance and it's not an either or, right? Because the one thing that we do know, no matter what industry you may be in, um, diversity and inclusion actually make your workforce better. Um, the more diverse your employee or your workforce is, um, the more creative ideas that come to the table, the more approaches to um, problems and challenges, the more diverse those ideas are in coming to the table. And so I think that no smart industry and no smart company would sacrifice um, diversity to keep employees understanding that, yes, it is a balance and, and we do, we have to make the hard choices. Um, but I think that you can strike a balance. Um, if that means reducing uh, um, your budget a little bit or, or you know, because now employees are looking so different and they're looking at their careers and their work lives so differently too, because sometimes you won't have to take away something. There are probably tons of employees that say, gee, I would love to go to a half day. You know, whatever, because I want a life, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want a mm -hmm. life. And so I think that, you know, and again, that's why diversity is so important. Um, rather than making um, decisions in a vacuum and making assumptions, the more views you have on the table, the more options and the more alternatives and the more possibilities that come alive that you might have not have ever even thought about before. And so I just think that it's important that company that as companies are making these these hard decisions, right? We're talking in some cases billions of dollars, but that they they do bring other perspectives to the table that are diverse to help them meet their challenges. Because I, I've just never believed that it has to be an either or. I think that you know smart people, smart companies. You know if we can send you know uh, 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 equipment to other universes and other planets, surely we can figure it out here on Earth. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have Fed's Protection Professional Liability Insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a Fed's policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. Shane, before you weigh in, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put this on the table. My first quote-unquote real internship was working at um, it's called Musco Lighting, and it was a car part manufacturing company in um, in Musco, Iowa. And every single person who got brought in, regardless of what role you have, you were the, the executive leader, you were the someone on the line pressing uh, machine parts. 
everyone worked on that floor for two weeks, at least, because they wanted everyone to understand what those people on the, the ground who were doing that work, what their life was like, and that you always had a respect and appreciation what they did, right? And so I did that. I did my time. I met some phenomenal people, phenomenal people. But unfortunately, this was in 2007 going to 2008. What happened then? Slowing economy. We went from um, three shifts running 24 hours a day to two shifts to ultimately one shift. And because I was an HR intern, I was the one unfortunately responsible for typing up all those um, separation documents to let people know they are being laid off. Um, I, I, I say this really quick before you jump in. It sucks, right? These are, yeah. these are people and, and these people with families and lives. And I feel like it can be very enticing to, to say, you know, we're going to zero out this program because then we can save a few people's jobs because th these are people, right? So I, I'm sorry if I made the, the, the question even more difficult for you, but I, I, I still want to hear your reactions to, you know, how do you balance? Well, I, I think what, what Gail said really resonated with me, and that is, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. Alex, I guess we're blessed that we don't have that dilemma. You know, I don't have to cut programs or staff to, to make it work. But I will say that if we were in that choice, I would be very hesitant to cut anything which made people feel more at home and at ease and more inclusive in the workplace. Because yeah. this is shouldn't be, well, if you've got extra money, let's do that. Um, this this needs to be um, the inclusion piece is is absolutely critical in today's today's world. I don't I'm not sure people thought about this as much, you know, 20, 30 years ago. <clears throat> I don't know that they, it means they weren't conscious of it, but it wasn't front and center like it is today. And frankly, if you're not working on programs like this, you're not likely to be an employer of choice. You know, if you've got if you've got, you know, well, I want to be here, but but they don't even think about DEI and B or over here, and they do. Um, to Gail's point, which which one are you going to gravitate towards? Because just common sense tells you a more diverse and inclusive workforce is is more productive, has better ideas, has better synergy. Um, so I I would be as hesitant to cut out programs like this as I would say health insurance. You know, would 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 you cut out your health insurance plan if, if times were bad? You know, it's a little bit. The truth is, though, it's a little bit easy for me to say that because our organization is not facing a choice of being in in, in, in existence at all or cutting out programs, hours work, maybe having layoffs. So it's probably not a very good answer. But that's my spin on it is this shouldn't be viewed as an ancillary thing. It should be part of your for being what you do for your employees. I mean, honestly, I, I actually really love and appreciate your comparison to, to healthcare. Um, you know, would you would you cut your your employees' healthcare um, um, for those employees who are again not in you two situations, but in organizations where they are having to make those decisions? Um, the, the, what rings in my mind is for the people who are remaining. Um, are they? Are they going to have their workload increased? Um, are they going to feel connected to the organization? Are they going to feel like they're they're bought into the organization? Like like they like they belong. They're the belonging in the organization. Um, and I feel like it's even more important to do those things, right? Because there is a a a negative um, emotion towards 
um, seeing a friend, you know, who was there with you one day. Now they're not there. And so yeah, I think you, it's really important to spend the time, energy, and effort on making sure that those individuals who are still there feel included. And then also, um, you know, just doing it the right way. You know, I, I, I think back at that Montezuma manufacturing and when they began doing the layoffs, it was, it was really, again, I was 21 at the time. And to be the person typing up these letters and knowing these people, and I, I'm an HR, I can't even tell people who it is coming, right? Um, when they start handing those out, no one was upset. I mean, they, they, they weren't happy, but no one was like pissed off at the company um, because they had done everything in their power to, to not get to that point. Um, they had, the leadership team had this thing called a rumor mill. So every week they would stand up in front of the, the, every shift and they would be able to have the opportunity to ask questions via this anonymously. And they would answer those questions as best they could um, in front of everyone. And there's just so much transparency around the whole process that um, as these, these layoffs were happening, like people, you know, they didn't feel good about it, but they understood. And they knew the company had done everything they could to, to not be in that situation. Um, so, you know, Alex, I'm, I'm glad you talked about that because um, a, a few things that you said, first of all, um, obviously they had smart leadership because they were always engaging with their workforce. That's that's a, a, a smart approach, right? Because then when because I mean it, the workforce is very educated. You know, people aren't 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 stupid and they're not living in the clouds and they understand, you know, because we all have budgets, whether it's our household budget or we're managing a department budget or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we all understand how you have to juggle funds and, and move things and, and, and things of that nature. But I think one of the keys that you talked about with this particular company is that they um, invested the time in building relationships with their workforce. And I think that that's one of those um, one of those pillars that, you know, all companies should take, you know, should take a play of, a, a, you know, that out of their out of that playbook write that page out of the playbook to do that. I was I was watching, just interesting enough, just this morning, I was watching um, an interview with the Heineken um, CEO, and she was talking about some of these same issues with the workforce and everything. And she, when she she was asked a question and she talked about the approach that Heineken took because, um, you know, the alcoholic beverage um, industry is highly um, not diverse, right? It's not diverse by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> she was talking about, you know, the the um, strides and the advancements that that they had made within Heineken, and she um, used three words. I mean, three words, and she said, "Well, I my approach is art," and it, that struck me. It's like, what do you mean it's art? But art actually stands for something. And she said that, um, and I wrote it down because it was just that important, and it's something that I want to always keep in mind. She said. The A is for authenticity. Always be authentic and truthful and real with your workforce. The other one was, um, the R was representation. People want to be able to see themselves in others. So if they're looking at leadership, they want to be able to see someone who looks like them um, within those ranks. And then the P was transparency. Do things in a way that's transparent because when we when it appears that something is being hidden, then people will always think that there's some ulterior or bad motive or intention. So if a company um, performs in the art 
authenticity, representation, and transparency, a lot of the challenges that we see when companies have to make those really difficult decisions about what their next steps are in order to survive, a lot of those can be overcome with art. And so I thought that that was like super, super awesome. Had never thought about it like that, but I'm going to keep that because I wrote it down. (laughs) So happened, I was just looking, right? And this was like so good. And so I just think that that's um, that that's wisdom that was imparted. Shane, Shane, you and I have had numerous conversations over the years. I always learn so much from our, our our chats. I know you believe in all of that. My question for you is: Why don't most let's say many? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the stats off the top. Let's say many organizations operate in that manner. And and how would you? How do you stop yourself from operating in a manner that's not? In, in alignment with art? Well, I can't speak for those that don't do it. <laughs> um, I, I think it, honestly, it, it's not, there isn't a whole lot of, in my mind, it, this shouldn't be a struggle. It's so apparent that the diversity and inclusion is, uh, is, a, is a really good thing. It's good for, you know, workplace belonging, but, but also in productivity in general, um, a diversity of views and opinions. Uh, it's the same kind of thing that um, I'll date myself a little bit here, but um, I was around for, um, you know, my mother was really big into, and I don't, I don't even know what you call it anymore, the the women's movement or something. It, it, you don't hear too much about that anymore, but my mother was a women's liberal. I, that's what I grew up with, including women in the workforce, bringing women to the table. Now it's much bigger than that. And I'm thrilled about that. But as a father of two adult daughters, I always, you know, empowered them. Get it, get out there, get mixed, mix in with the crowd. Don't let anything stand. So to me, it just has always felt organic and natural to be inclusive. And so that that's a, a gender thing. But of course it's it's much bigger and better when when we're being truly inclusive across all different segments. I have a son with Down syndrome and um, there's been a lot of talk lately about diversity around uh, disabled and uh, mm-hmm. special needs folks. And, um, you know, he's never going to be able to work full time, but he can work. And we've found a couple of employers now that that will hire him part time. I can tell you 20, 30 years ago, this wasn't even in the picture. Right. It was not part of the conversation. I, I wanted to touch on one thing that, that Gail said. You were talking about energy and just how important it is and what struck me was well when we don't have energy then what? <laughs> uh, everything falls apart right but and i don't know what energy companies do but i'll tell you one thing that that we've always tried to do and we're reinvigorating it and that is helping employees understand and feel and see our mission played out in people's lives and ours is principally around um, Life insurance, financial security when a when when somebody dies for the those who survived, and we're a nonprofit, so we bundle all those things together and make sure that employees know, hey, what you're doing at work matters in people's lives. And I would envision, I would imagine, with an energy company, gosh, if like like it's cold here today in the D.C. metro area, <laughs> I have the heat on. If I don't have the heat on, my life looks very different. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's a, you know, if you can get your employees to to wrap their heads and really embrace that mission. 
You're absolutely right. And, and um, actually, that's one of the things that my organization we're working on now. Um, you know, uh, you, in the energy industry, we always have the latest innovations, the gadgets and, you know, the latest thing, you know, the latest tech thing. Um, but energy, the energy industry is a people industry. I mean, you know, we work every day to make sure that you can turn your heat on and that there is energy for you to use when you flip a switch, you know, that kind of thing. And just, you know, and and in the United States, and, and this is one of the things that we're going to be working on in 2023, is um, letting our employees talk about what they do to enrich um, other people's lives and to, and that's going to help them as they're doing that, right? Because, you know, the energy discussion that we have here in the United States looks much different than the energy discussion we have in India or in African nations, you know, because our big thing is if we have a, a, a really high electric bill or, you know, gee, the price of gas is so high or it's low or whatever, but, you know, in places like India and Africa, the energy discussion is how can we transition them from burning dung or wood in their homes that lead to respiratory infections that kill their children? Um, a lot of children die really young because of that, right? They're inhaling all of this stuff. So our work really goes beyond just what we think of in the United States, but it goes to help to really advance civilizations and communities and countries around the world. Um, it helps children, you know, to gain access to education and mothers, you know, to be able to cook without, you know, emitting fumes that are going to kill their kids and kill them as well. And so it's, you know, maternal child health, it, health, it's so many different things. And so we are actually embarking upon um, um, a program where we allow and enable and encourage our um, our workforce to tell that story because everybody thinks they know energy and they think they know us and of course that's true in the United States they think they do but you know the real story of what we're doing is a much broader story and a much more important story than the price um, of, of of gas or the price of electricity and things of that nature and so. Um, we haven't historically done a really good job of that in the energy industry. And so we're trying to change that and allow people to see that, you know, they're, you know, big oil is just little people who are trying to do their best to supply what mm. the world to run, right? That's that's what who and what we are. And so we're excited about that and looking forward to it. And we know that um, you know, people are gonna get a chance to see just how far we've come. Shane, you know, in this industry with, you know, with 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 um, women and black and brown people and, you know, just, um, you know, of just a multiplicity of diversity. And so we we are excited about being able to tell that story and use our employees because they're great. They're dedicated. They're committed and they're awesome. So if you're in the energy industry and you're watching this and you're feeling a little low and down, know that you are awesome and you're doing really great work. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fagley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA group term life insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today.
and share this. So that other people in the industry, the industry can listen to this and be inspired as well. And Shane, I want to, I know this is a, a quasi commercial now, but um, when, when, when Gail was talking about the, the benefits that energy has to, to the world um, that most people don't even think about, it made me think about the work that you all do at your organization. Um, there's a guy who some of our people, uh, listeners may know, um, who's, a, who's a rapper. Um, uh, the group is called the Migos, and I believe his name who went by is a takeoff. Um, he just passed, unfortunately, horrible incident, horrible, horrible. horrible. Um, he had done very well, no will, no life. Um, and the, the, there's a, there's a very long list of people who, who pass unexpectedly and don't have a will, don't have life insurance. And the, and you, you, you see People, unfortunately, this is really hard, actually, um, uh, having to do GoFundMes to take care of their families and the bills and so on and so forth. Um, I still remember a conversation with my little sister. Um, I probably shouldn't say that. Anyways, um, she, I'll just say very broadly, you know, her and I were talking, like telling her that, you know, she needs to go to the doctors um, more often to stay checked up and whatnot, because um, that's not something we grew up doing. And she said, Alex, I want to, but every time I go, it's such a... The, the bills, they, 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 they add up really fast. And she actually said, she's like, Alex, why is it so expensive to live? And I, I bring that up to say, like, now that I've, quote unquote, become more mature in my, my finances and whatnot, one of the first things I did a few years ago now was get life insurance. Um, I, I just, I really want to put, like, it's really important, everyone. It's something that is not, it's, it's not necessarily for you, it's for the family, it's for your your friends, the people who are who are who are left behind when you go, people who care about you, um, and so that, this is my commercial that if you don't have some life insurance, I would strongly encourage you to do it. You know, you can get some as little as five dollars a day and still be benefit. Um, Shane, did you have anything on that? Again, I just, real quick, this came to my mind as Gail was talking about energy and you know the lives that are being saved by the work they're doing. Yeah, it's um, it really is critical as you read about our. If you have somebody in your family, uh, I had a very close friend of mine who who passed, and um, her her family did have good life insurance, and they were okay, uh, not emotional, you know, but financially they were okay. I also know people that didn't. So life insurance can be an uncomfortable topic. You're thinking about your own mortality, but you kind of get past that. It's not about you, right? And, and and you can buy life insurance that is um, a, one one of the uh, one of the industry think tanks. Um, Limra uh, does a, a consumer survey every year, and it, one of the consistent things is people think it's more a lot more expensive than it is. Um, it really isn't that expensive, and you really do get some peace of mind out of it. And and so I, I'm with you, you know. And I don't care if you. If you get it with us or not, you know, just go get some. Give, give those survivor, your surviving family, um, a little peace of mind that they're not just going to be grieving for you, but also dealing with a financial train wreck. Yeah. You don't, you don't want that. So, um, and life insurance is over two hundred years old. It's not going anywhere. It's it's an evergreen product. People always need it. And um, the final thing I'll say, and I'm trying not to be gruesome here, but I'm just being realistic. COVID, just, I mean, mm. the excess, this sounds, 
we had additional claims because more people died. So we had approaching 20% more claims last year. Now, this year, it's down to about 5% above and beyond normal death. But I'm, I'm just illustrating, this is real. This isn't a newspaper story. You know, people do pass away from this kind of thing. You never know when the next one's coming. So do your family a favor and, um, uh, and, and take care of that. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And, and Gail, I'm going to go sideways just a little bit. Um, you know, on energy, I just yesterday in the Washington Post, I pulled this down. Um, you, this is probably old, old news to you, but uh, U.S. to announce fusion energy breakthrough. And it's a fascinating article. And I just can't wait to see what the future of, of your industries uh, do. I mean, this is something cool every day. I mean, yeah, God I mean, bless you guys for, for constantly innovating. Yes. Constantly. That's the exciting thing about, about uh, our industry. I mean, we, we've always been the innovators, right? So, you know, people have cell phones because of our, of our industry. Most people don't know that, you know, just all kinds of things that, you know, started out in, 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 in our industry, but then um, had larger applications across, across, you know, the, you know, larger applications across a lot of other um, sectors and industries. And so, yes, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited about representing the leaders in innovation and, and typically, and I'm glad you brought that up because most people, when they think of um, innovation and tech, they don't ever really think of the energy industry. So, um, but we are tech. We are big data. We're we're tech. We're we're all of that. All of the great stuff. All happens in the energy industry. So yes. So I I know that you you can both of you can probably have some self uh, aggrandizing or self uh, helpful comments to this next question. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people who are who are looking for something their next opportunity. Who who want their next opportunity? Um, do you feel like right now strategically? it would be best in their best interest to maybe follow their quote unquote passion where that may lie? Or do you think they should be looking at industries such as what you all just talked about right now that are maybe, I don't want to say recession proof, but, but are well positioned to do well in the recession um, energy and in your uh, in industry, um, Shane, um, there's not government, you know, you could always go to the government because they generally would do pretty well. Like what would be your advice for people who are looking right now? Uh, let's go with uh, Gail first. Okay. So, I, you know, the one thing that I think COVID taught us all is that we are, when when we have to be, we can be super creative, um, you know, because um, of what happened during COVID, it, I think it broadened everyone's horizons, right? I don't think people should ever um, limit themselves because a lot of people who um, were laid off during COVID they didn't return back to the workforce. They created their own businesses and their own enterprises. And so I think I've just always been a fan and I had to learn this the hard way. <laughs> I've been a fan of really pursuing um, your, your dream. It's for some people, the dream is not having their own business. It may be working in the energy industry in some way. And if that's you, we want you. So please consider us. Um, but for those who, who, who want to do other things, um, I, I would highly encourage them to do that. And I, I have my own personal story about that with my own children. Um, I had one son. My older son was one year away from getting his finance degree from LSU, Go Tigers. And um, he decided 
one day that that's not what he wanted to pursue. He wanted to work with his hands and he wanted to do something else. He came to me. And of course, at first I was livid and I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not going to finish school. And um, he went on. He oh, he went on. He um, has a car customization shop. He customizes cars and he does collision work, built his own business. And in the midst of COVID, his, he and his family bought, bought a brand new house in the midst of COVID for his family because he did. He's doing very well. And he makes more than I do. Because I didn't know that there was that kind of money in that industry. <laughs> I had never had any contact with it. Right. And so, you know, I, I think that people should not um, box themselves in. I, I really think that. And I, I was really happy that, you know, even though I was a bit of a challenge with my son, um, but I became open to it and I, he's made me very proud and he helped me to see something that I could not see and would have never even thought of in a million years. It's like, why do you want to do that? Who does that? No one in our family does that. You know, so I went through all that whole thing, right? And he's like, mom, I just, you know, I, I want to do this. And then I realized that I've been blessed all my life to work. In, in industries and in positions that I just absolutely enjoyed and I had a passion for and I felt fulfilled. And then I said, well, if I've had this great opportunity, doesn't my son deserve the same? It may not look like my path, right? And that's okay. Success doesn't look always look like what the way I want it to look or look like my path. And so I say, go for it. If it's a new industry, if someone else has done it before and they've learned it, you're just as smart as everyone else. Go out and go for it. You'll be okay. Right? Awesome sauce. Okay. Now you got to follow this up. You got to go on the opposite side, Shane. Now you, guys- <laughs> I, you know, I, I, wow. I don't know how to follow that. It's a wonderful story. Um, I guess I would say it depends on where you are in your life, what your circumstances are, how much risk can you take. But one thing I would say, and Gail's son apparently, did this and did it well. If you're going to switch jobs or switch careers, um, maybe start your own thing. Be realistic in terms of the work and the passion and the energy you're going to need to devote to it. You're going to have to really pour yourself into it. That's the only way it's you're going to be able to make a big adjustment in your life. As far as the financial circumstances go, I can imagine you being in a situation where you just can't do it before a time. But that doesn't mean you can't plan it. That doesn't mean you can't get ready for it. Doesn't mean you can't be thinking about it and developing skills while you're employed in the thing you want to leave. I, so that's just being smart about it. But I, Gail's son's story resonates. You know, put your full self into a new gig. You know, really, and be ready for that. Don't Get there and say, oh, my God, I've got to work 60, 70 hours a week for four years to get this thing off the ground. You can't resent that. You have to see this as part of the journey. And it sounds like Gail's son did. So hallelujah. It's a success yeah. story. So um, please tell your son uh, I'll be sending my resume um, so we can. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Like, son, I didn't know you made that much money. You make more than I do. <laughs> Just let his customers know they may not want to drive the car after I work on it. Okay. Um, they may <laughs> to take it to a second person. <laughs> I'll do yeah. that. 
Alex, you got to self-train before you switch industries. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Look, thank you both so much for being here today. I, I know um, we, we got to wrap up. You know, Gail, you, you, you got to, I know you're jumping a plane. You got to head to uh, somewhere. You said, you know, South Africa, do some business with a, with a king somewhere. And, yeah, Shane, I think you said you had to jump on with Biden. I know we got to wrap this thing up. Um, kind sir, let's, let's, let's end on this note. Um, first you, Shane, then Gail. Is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our, uh, our listeners as we begin to wrap? I, 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 um, I, I, I was intrigued by the conversation that Gail started with um, the need for energy and the good that it does in the world. And it really does. Um, and then I looped that into making sure our employees feel the, the good that, that by providing um, life insurance for benefits for those people who survive uh, family death. You can feel good about that mission. And uh, I do think that's really important for people to connect with what they're doing. There are plenty of people who just are okay with having a paycheck. Um, but I would like to think that people feel better about their work and themselves and all the time they spend at work. If there's a mission, it's real and they understand it and see the good in it. So that's that's what I would say. Thank you so much, kind sir. And Miss Gail. I, definitely. I, I, um, I think any time that we can see the good in what we're doing and knowing that we're impacting other people's lives in a positive way, that's that's really important. And um, the one thing that I, I when when I manage people, I always want people to know and understand that if they were not important, then there would be no position for them. Um, meaning, you know, so and that's everybody that's from the, you know, the custodian who comes to 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 pick up the garbage. Try not not having someone to do that and see how how good that goes over. And it, it, so everyone um, throughout the entire spectrum um, is important. They have an important role to play. But I think just as equally as important, um, particularly during this, you know, th in this atmosphere in the U.S., when sometimes we can be very divided, that um, teams and, and workforces and industries, we need to really appreciate the fact that we are truly stronger together. Um, than any, uh, you know, the, you know, than an individual. So we're better together. We're better when we're different. Our differences don't have to be the thing that divides us. The, our differences actually can bring us together and give us new and creative ideas and new uh, approaches. And so, yes, we have our own individual roles to play and they are important, but we are better together. So that's, that, that's, that's my thing. These, that was a great tagline. We are better together. Hashtag it. Thank yeah. you both so much for being with us here today. Um, I, I I love I love being on with you too. You're you're, you're really awesome. And, and and everyone who's listening, look, if you didn't catch something, a, a gem, an aha moment, um, something that's going to change and impact your life for the better, then um, you must have had this episode on um, mute when you were listening to it. So we need you to rewind it and then unmute it and turn it up to make sure you listen what happened because so much great value and, and, and advice was shared today. Um, as always, don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value from this conversation today, don't keep it to yourself and say, hey, that person, he or she, or they should have been here. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm winning, they're losing, ha ha. Don't do that. Don't be that person. 
bring this to them and share with them the nuggets and encourage them to, to not only listen to this episode, but so many other episodes where great content is shared and great advice to help you reach your career goals. As always, I just thank everyone for being here with us today. I thank all of you on this, this awesome journey we're having as a, as a learning group, as a learning family, learning community. I just thank all of you. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.